This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Raise Your Game on Enterprise and it's our uh, monthly session, which is the... It is the final Monday of the month. Okay, with Sheila Singer from Human Equation. Of course, it's our Tools for Transformation series. Now, uh, over the years, employers have come to expect the beginning of the year as a time to expect staff to leave and to start recruiting the replacements. Uh, Indeed, the common perception is that people want to collect their bonus increment before leaving after Chinese New Year. (laughs) There is a common belief that most people leave because of better remuneration elsewhere, especially in the case of the millennial generation. Well, money is important, but there are other key factors which play just an important, if not more important, role in the decision to move. So, as I said, Human Equation founder Sheila Singham is here and we're going to discuss some of these key factors and how employers can address them to mitigate the high turnover and retain their staff. So, other than money, which is not the only reason, what are some of the key reasons people leave their jobs? Actually, I hear this a lot, that people leave for an increase of 10, 100 ringgit somewhere else. Mm. And I find that it's not entirely true, especially even with regard to the millennials, yeah? Because I live with two millennials. And one of these millennials was in a job which was paying her a tremendous amount. And I kept saying, go somewhere else where there'll be better opportunities. And she kept saying, no, this is so exciting where I'm at. I'm Mm. learning so much Mm. under a fantastic boss, which I can never get this opportunity anywhere else. And she stayed for two years. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's a myth. Okay, so let's, let's look at why people leave. Huh? One of the main reasons is this was thought leader Marcus Buckingham. He said, people leave managers, not companies. Mm. Okay, so people leave people. So if people can't get along with their bosses... They don't respect their bosses. They don't believe in their bosses' ability to inspire them, grow them, lead them into a better place or know more than them, they will leave. Personally, on a personal note, that's one reason why I left or so in a couple of uh, positions when I found out my boss knew less than me. How was I going to grow and learn? Mm. And at the same time, the boss was not uh, allowing me to learn, to, to, to lead or okay. give ideas because, you know, the boss was threatened. So how do you stay like that when you see all these insecurities of your boss, right? Uh, so if managers don't create the right opportunities for the people below them, don't uh, motivate them, mentor them, inspire them, communicate with them, appreciate them, they always find them, often find themselves dealing with a high turnover rate. And you would think, Frida, communication is a given. But how often have I uh, gone on to com- train and coach in companies where they don't know how to talk to their people? Mm. They're using tonalities which are harsh, words which are harsh, sometimes even four-letter words. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a no-no. How does someone work in an environment like that, mm. right? <clears throat> So um, uh, one of the case, cases was um, we were doing training and coaching, a coaching program. We're giving coaching skills to this series of managers. And one of these managers came. Of course, the EQ increased a little bit. But there was still a high turnover of staff in her department. 
And when, you know, the HR started talking to the people, they found out it was her. She would take, she was in finance head, right? She would just take the files, accounting files, and just throw it back at people. Ah, okay. You know, like practically in your face like that. Who does that in this day and age? She does. <laughs> ah, she did. <laughs> la. So when actually we did speak to her head of department, who was a bit concerned, the director concerned. And she said, what to do? She's been here so long and she knows so much. She's so invaluable. But I tell you, nobody should be made to be so invaluable, indispensable, that you can't get rid of them because of their bad behavior. You need to have succession planning to train other people. So in the end, what we recommended was you let all these younger people report to someone who was sort of a little older and, Mm. you know, more senior and put this person in charge of, uh, in a position where she looked at you know, details and files and analysis, but didn't have to deal with people. Hmm. What to do? Because she refused to take on board, because she just had this sense of power that what I'm doing is right. Hmm. So like that, you you have to do something. Like you can't leave them there. Yeah. And then every year you have to hire like, you know, five, six people to replace whom they are scaring away, you know, <laughs> right? right? So another reason why people leave is they don't see where they're going with the company. Hmm. They don't see a plan for their growth, their improvement, their promotion. So if you don't have a clear succession plan, if you don't have training and development, mentoring, people don't feel challenged, year in, year out, doing same old, same old, after a while, they're going to want to go. Sometimes people leave because they come to like a threshold age. I'm 40, yeah. If I don't leave now and go, I'm never going to leave. Or I'm 30, I've done so much, I want to do something new. So that, you know... Life stage. Ah, life stage. So yeah. that one's something very personal. Huh? Yeah. Of course, another reason why people leave is because they don't feel appreciated or recognized. Mm. And here's something I discovered. So many companies think by the bonus and increment they give people at the end of the year is a measure of the appreciation and recognition. But people need appreciation, they need a pat on the back for a job well done. For someone, the boss to go up there and say, well, you know, I really love that report you did or you managed that project very well or that deal that you brought in, well, excellent work there. Just a little pat on the back occasionally. Because there are people, two types of people. There are people who are away, um, externally motivated and internally motivated. Internally motivated people don't need so much of a pat on the back. Mm. If you go up to them and say, hey, great job, you know, every month or so, they will go like, duh, I know lah, mm. you know. But the externally motivated people need it. Yeah. So they're the people you need to identify and see how they sort of bloom and blossom and react to your praise and give it to them. Deservingly, deserved uh, praises, of course, lah, yeah. not just for the sake of doing it. Mm. You know, one of the things, though, when I, when, I, when I look at that, right, I was thinking of uh, uh, the, the previous company I used to work for and uh, the opportunity to learn and grow because I was just doing six jobs in, in the 11 years I was there, right? Mm. So it was just always very interesting and people would say, oh, you're there for 11 years, but really I was doing six different things. And so that was why like, I stayed on for so long because I wasn't doing the same thing. There was opportunity for growth and all that. But life stage for me caused me to, to move on to, to this current role, you know, where yeah. I I'm at BFM, you know, and, and even talking to the, the millennials, um, like we've had some, some millennials who are really good and they've left. And we always sit down and have a chat and say, is there anything that you can try elsewhere 
uh, within the company. And mm. sometimes because it is just a media station, we have these you know uh, limited roles, everything, and they find that there there are opportunities elsewhere. We also don't we also don't curb their growth, right? And you just leave on a, a, a on a nice note and everything, and say exactly. the door is always open, you know, and and that kind of thing. If yeah. you ever want to come back, so sometimes also we also know that we can only provide so much in terms of growth. Mm. Also, you know, and the company and the girl was here for about five years, so that was that was fine. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, mm. if they want to go, they want to go, mm. you know. But they need to find meaning in their work, and mm. I'm finding that amongst millennials, I mean, they play hard, but they work hard. If there is purpose and meaning, um, I was doing training in a company, and they this company had taken on all graduates for very um, from executive and even non-executive positions because they were trying to change that whole, uh, I don't know, intellectual. Mm. Capability of the company, and this girl was in a PA position. She spoke very good English. She was very driven, very excited. And I asked her, "Why are you in this job?" She said, "Because it was the company, mm. the opportunity to be with this company. It was just, un- and everyone told me it was a great opportunity." I said, "Yeah, but you don't really like your job. You're not inspired. What do you really, really like to do?" Mm. She said, "I'm very good at." corporate social responsibility, raising funds and, and organizing events like that. I used to do that in university. I said, okay, go and talk to your HR mm. and see if there's such a role in the organization and say that when there's an opening that you would like to go. And in the meantime, bide your time, learn all you can, volunteer where you have time and do the best you can. Yeah. And that sort of immediately uh, after that program, we saw a spark of life in her. Mm. It was like we had given her a roadmap mm. for how she could go out there and realize her full potential. And often that's what millennials want. Millennials want variety. Yeah. Now, people like me grew up without much variety. We just thought stay in one career, although, you know, I broke away from that. Mm. Um, but you are thought to just be happy with what you have, be contented. But millennials, from the time they're children, they're exposed to so many experiences. So they cannot sit still and do the same old, same old boring job. Mm. But if that's what you hired them to do, you've got to give them opportunities to do new and different things. So this is why sometimes companies need to think about maybe taking the guy and for two or three months, put him somewhere else to do something else and then bring him back so that there is variety in the role. Mm. All right. Now, how can companies uh, address these reasons to keep the turnover down? We'll discuss that in just a moment. Sheila Singer from Human Equation. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Enterprise. Good morning. This is Frida Liu here, and it's Motivational Monday. Uh, Sheila Singer from Human Equation is here, and uh, we're talking about why uh, people leave organizations. And of course, we we worked out that it isn't always about money. Uh, people leave because you know there aren't any opportunities within the organizations. They're not learning. Uh, people leave people. They don't have a wonderful manager. All mm-hmm. sorts of things. Right now, we we address we talked about these. Now, so how can companies address these reasons to keep the turnover down? I think one of the basic things is to start with the recruitment. Mm. You don't recruit people just to fit a job description. Right. You've got to look beyond their academic capabilities. You've got to examine their values, their motivation, where they want to go in the career, what are they expecting from the job. 
very often we find there's a mismatch between what employers expect and what employees expect. So that needs to be ironed out and discussed at the recruitment period, uh, period itself. Now, very often recruitment interviews, people come back and tell me it was very didactic, very you know, condescending. I had this experience with a young person who went for a recruitment interview and they looked at her and said, oh, do you wear those high heels all the time? And are your nails always polished like this? Do you come from a rich family? Already you see the bias happening, right? <laughs> and she came back and said, what has that all got to do with my capabilities? And then they said, oh, you know, have you done this kind of work before? We have lots of events. You'll have to carry heavy boxes, load them onto trolleys and all that. So can we, we want you to do a demo. And they made her do that in her of course, but she went again, she went in more sensible shoes, you know. And they made her do that in the factory lot, you know, with, with uh, everyone watching and people were hooting. Yes. And she felt <laughs> so demeaned that she came back and she said, I am not going there. I really wanted this job. It was good. Everything was good. But if I have to work for people like this, who are at the outset, I mean, I, the, the, the kinesthetic is bad. So she called the recruiter and told about this experience. And the recruiter called and told the HR manager who's based in another country. And she was appalled. So the HR director called this young person and said, um, you know, we really want you. You have all the skills uh, necessary for the job. We think you'll be a real asset. She said, yes, thank you very much. I appreciate that. However, your company doesn't have all the necessary attributes that I want from an employer. That's young people today. You you can't do this sort of... I tell you, Frida, this is a true story in this I'll, day and I'll age. I'll get the company name after I'll tell you, <laughs> and I'll tell you who the person is. It's a multinational Samoa. Mm. Okay? So, uh, so now, Simon Sinek, right? The yeah. guy who wrote Leaders Eat Last. He wrote another book which says, Start With Why. Yeah. How great leaders inspire everyone to take action. He said, great companies don't hire skilled people and motivate them. They hire already motivated people and inspire them. Mm. People are motivated are they, or they are not. Okay? okay, So people come to your job yeah. uh, interview because they either just want a job for the money or they're really motivated to join a company. Mm. So as a recruiter, you have to discern that. Unless you give motivated people something to believe in, Sinek said, mm. something bigger than their job to work toward, they will motivate themselves to find a new job yeah. and you'll be left with whoever is left. Uh, stuck with whoever is left. Ooh, okay. So I, are we hiring just to fill a do- job description or are we hiring to bring on board people will be excited by the vision for the company and how they contribute? Yeah. So companies have to look at the recruiting managers itself. Yeah. Are you inspiring? Are you, when people meet you at the interview, saying, hey, I want to come on board because, you know, if people like you are the you know, mm. first first point of approach, yeah. then if everyone's like this, I want to come to this company, mm. right? Second, you need to have a sound onboarding program. Mm. I've been for, I've, I've, I've uh, sort of had experience of onboarding programs where you go in there for three days, they talk about company policies and procedures, how to apply for leave, the do's and don'ts, and you know, that sort of thing. But that doesn't give people a feel of excitement for the yeah. company. You've got to inspire people. You know, you've, you've got to give them an opportunity to interact with key leaders. So in your onboarding program, bring on your CEO. Bring mm. on your chairman for a 
20 minutes, let talk to these people, in, inspire them, let them ask whatever questions they want. Because then people feel that I'm connected right with the mm. top, they know who I am. And as he I'm also, not just a cog in the wheel. That's yeah, right, yeah. that's right. And then um, another thing you need to do is to instill a values-driven corporate culture. Hmm. Now, values are the driver for human behavior. Values need to be the pillar and driver to drive the corporate vision. So many companies have beautiful values on the walls, but they do not live it out Mm. at all. You go there, you see the values, you see the front desk person not smiling, so rude, and you say, and over there they put customer focus, and Mm. then you want to laugh, right? So you need to live, you need to live what you're putting up there, mm. and you need to inculcate that in the people, and you need to tell them collectively, this is how we need to behave. We need to reflect these values to out there because they become our identity. Okay, They are the glue that hold the people together. I have to share this story. Uh, this was uh, in the intercontinental in Jimbaran in Bali, and there was this plaque that says, make them want to come back. Right, and this is something that the employees do. And I just remember having lunch there, and the the, the staff said, "Do you want some dessert?" I said, "No, no dessert. No, you want to try our ice cream, right? Because I don't pay anymore." Right? And he came, and so I was with, with my colleague, and he came with two cups of ice cream on the house, you know. And I still, I still, and I'm like, I've got to come back. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. that's that. Like that's the kind of thing that when they put this on the wall and the employees live it, wow, that says a lot. There are many other things that in terms of what they provide in terms of customer service, but you always remember the company and you always say good things about the company. Because they're living out the values, mm. because those values have been inculcated and the people have been taught how to translate that into behaviours, mm. right? Another thing that we don't do, especially here, mm is to create a circle of safety. Hmm. In, in, in Leaders Eat Last, Simon Sinek says, hmm. is a re- leader's responsibility to create a circle of safety for these people. Now, what does this mean? It means creating a corporate culture where people feel a sense of belonging. They're happy to come to work every day. And there is no fear. Yeah. A culture free from fear. Unfortunately, Frida, today I go into do training, coaching. I find there's so much fear. Sometimes people are not happy about something. I say, why don't you speak up? Oh, if you do, they will, uh, you know, victimize us, put us in cold storage. Um, that's another story, mm. like teaching people that have the courage of their convictions. But if you're creating that kind of fear where if you get feedback, you are branded as a troublemaker, that's not a circle of safety, mm. yeah? You need to have an tr- environment of trust and collaboration. So let's say someone from another department sees that how another department can be improved. He gives feedback. There is no fear. There is no, oh, you're stepping into my territory. Because many managers are very territorial. There has to be that openness, that, that allowance for people to give feedback because always you need to not be thinking of your territory your department but the larger good of the organization yeah. right and it all stems from you know if you want to look back at the this all start, stems from insecurity correct yeah correct so opposite to this culture is one where people are afraid people are protecting their own interests mm. all right people are promoting silos mm politicking mm. to see their you know how they get promoted there's cover ups does this sound familiar frida <laughs> unease mistrust paranoia have you been in a company like that 
I'm sure all of us have. Okay, now one of the things as well is um, exit interviews, right? And now, now why are exit interviews important to organizations? That's a very interesting question. Just uh, Let me just digress a little bit and say mm. that I have left companies, never had an exit interview. Mm. And I was in a senior position. Mm. You know, so very interesting, right? Now, why are exit interviews important? Because they are going to give the company valuable feedback on what people are thinking, the perception people have towards the company, towards its culture, towards its leadership, towards its policy. So you begin to know what people are, what are the issues people have with your processes, your policies, your day-to-day concerns, workplace ethics, and so on, right? Sometimes you get able to pinpoint that individuals are the cause, mm. right? Yeah. And then you Usually. Can, usually, because like, people leave people, not companies. Right. So if you find that is so, at least you can go and talk to the individual concern and say, look, statistics show turnover is large. These are what people are saying. Feedback, they are leaving. They have no fear. They spoke uh, very frankly. So you need to do something about this. But a lot of times, if the person responsible is a very high position, people are scared to go and tell her. How do you tell the CEO it's your management style that's causing people to leave? Mm. People are scared. So this goes back again to creating that circle of safety. Okay? Um, Sadly, many exit interviews are conducted as a mere formality, part of the SOP. And then that whole file is put in the employee's file and then it's tucked away and then after, say, a year, thrown away. And you never, never see what is the valuable information you could get that could actually transform this company. And Mm. very often... The HR manager does it sees all this yeah. negative stuff, and um, we better not tell the boss lah, because I my my, you know, my, my, my job, job be on the line. I actually did a training program where there's a lot of conflict between the CEO and the people. Mm. So that's this great team building, and everyone came. Guess who didn't show up? CEO. CEO didn't come. By the end of it, there was a lot of valuable feedback and all that, and I put that feedback into my report, and. One of my assist, uh, what colleagues were saying, do you really want to do that? If the CEO is going to read it, he's not going to be happy with you knowing all this. The I said, that's my job. What did he conduct? You're right. Yeah, integrity. That's my job. So I put it in. Uh-huh. And guess what? The CEO never approved another training program with us. But you had to do what the, the right thing. I did the right thing. Yeah. So that, that's what it is about. Sometimes you are faced with, you know, especially in business, whether you want to play politics and be diplomatic or you want to do the right thing or pray out of integrity. This is the emperor's new clothes. Yeah. Sometimes you might lose the mm. business, lose the favor of the person because if, if everything, he's getting you on board to you know, do some work and then you find out that everyone's saying it points to him. You're giving him feedback. He can't take it. He doesn't want you around anymore. Well, tough. Right. You know, yeah, what goes wrong comes around. Right. <laughs> So how should organizations then handle uh, departments or managers with a high turnover in their teams? If it's departments, I think they should have a conversation with everyone in the department. 
what is the departmental culture, and then get our suggestions from the people in the team as to how they can improve the corporate culture so that people stay. Mm. Um, if it could mean that the work is very mundane and routine and boring, how can they do stuff to make it more interesting? Maybe they could have breakout sessions once a month where these young people are you know, allowed to give ideas on how to transform and make work more exciting. Now, if it's a manager who is responsible, as in the case of the finance manager I spoke about earlier, then HR really needs to take sit this person down and say, these are the results of the exit interviews, these are the turnover statistics of your department, and it all points to you. Now, are you prepared to go for coaching? Are you prepared to go for some training, EQ development, and so on? If the manager is, then put him on that program and then see how things um and you know, mm. pan out from there. Or if the manager is, and then you still need to give him an ultimatum. Mm. We want these stats to go down. We want these are the behaviors that we are expecting from you, and we want to see that. And if we don't see that in say three months, so it's like a performance improvement. If we don't see that, then we have to reconsider your position here. Mm. But very often, companies appoint people in management positions as a result of their technical competencies, their skills, not their leadership and management skills. Now, we had this case where in an organization, a new team was formed, a very um, business development team to go out and open new markets. And the head of this team was not as savvy, technically savvy, as the others. So he was getting a lot of attitude from them. The others are really clued in, younger and all that, but had a lot of arrogance and all that. So we were called in to do a sort of coaching session with them. And when we did the coaching session, it came out that, you know, he's not technically as competent. He's old school. Why is he there in a leadership position telling us what to do? Mm -hmm. So we went back to the fact that gave them an EQ test and found out that he has a lot more leadership and EQ skills. Mm. You guys don't have that. Technically, you're brilliant, but you don't have to talk to people. You don't know how to manage people. If you don't know how to manage people inside, you will use the same techniques to handle people outside. You want to do business development. You've got to be diplomatic. You've got to know how to talk to people, manage your tonality, your words, know how to negotiate. He knows how to do that. That's why he is in charge of the rest of you. Learn from him mm. instead of trying to tear him down. Right. And that built the team into a cohesive unit. Okay. Mm. Now, uh, on the part of employees, right, what should they take into consideration and do when opting to leave their jobs? Well, first of all, don't leave in a half. Mm. You know, don't give 24-hour notice. Yeah, yeah. It looks very, very bad for you. Don't be so drama. <laughs> la. Yeah, very <laughs> drama, la, you know. Especially young people. La. Mommy, daddy will support me, you know, pay for my car and all that. If I don't have a job, sit at home. So don't do that because in the long term, it's going to affect your CV. Mm. Okay. Ask yourself, what is the reason you want to live? Leave? Is it the people, the environment, or the work itself? Which of this can be addressed with a conversation? If it's your boss, can you talk to your conversation? You talk to your boss, have a conversation, and tell them you know, what is in your heart. Or if you're being victimized or discriminated against, maybe you could go and have a talk with an um, empathic HR manager and tell them what's happening. Again, go and ask the company if there's another position that's open where I would be suited rather than just walk out. As you said earlier, better to stay in the company that you know mm. and find something else that you can do. Okay. Number two, you got to ask yourself, have you planned your career path or not? Mm. Do you know in the scheme of things 
where you want to go in 10, 20 years and how leaving this is going to fit mm. in with that or how staying on is going to contribute to that. If staying on is going to detract from that, then leave by yeah, all means. Right. But if staying on is going to give you valuable um, you know, experience and knowledge and skills to be able to take you to the next stage of your career, then grit your teeth and stay on. Mm. I, I did that once. I went, went into a company. I left a lovely job. I loved my job so much. Mm. But there was this opportunity to go on and do something. As you say, la, you come to that life stage and mm. you ask yourself, you know, is this all I want to do? La? Right. I was a journalist writing lifestyle. Did I just want to write about books and travel and food and all that? Or do you want to do something more? Mm. And the opportunity came to go into training and development. And it was really a conflict. But I said, no, I think I can do more. In the large scheme of things, things of where I want to go in my life, that's where I should be. I walked into the office the first day, and I had a bad kinesthetic. I said, oh, my God, what have I done? This is a bad place to be. But I said, never mind. I'm not going to be affected by environment and energy and people. I'm going to give myself a goal. So I set a goal for myself that in two years, I will leave and start on my own. Hmm. And um, I actually left in one and a half years because I learned. And while I was there, you my really God, I did all the jobs, like the coolie jobs no one wanted to do. You know, hmm. I went and did all kinds of training that no one wanted to do. I worked on Sundays. I developed programs. I went on marketing. I learned everything that I needed to be able to start my own business, right? right. So that gave me a purpose. Mm. So when you have a sense of purpose in a job, in a bad place, a bad culture, that will help pull you through to learn as much as you can before you leave. So if you, when the minute you begin to have that sense of restlessness, or, I don't think I need to be here, go and equip yourself with as much knowledge and information as you can to carry you into the next stage, all right? All right. And then you have to ask yourself, lah, before you leave, do you have a realistic plan to earn income or not? Mm. You know, because if you're just going to leave and you don't have a job, in a half, yeah. then how? Even if you don't want to work for in a nine-to-five job, can you do something part-time to earn an income? Mm. You know, I always said to people, if when I started my training and development company with my partner, people say, you know, the economy is down. This was more than 10 years ago. Training will be the first to go. Mm. And how if it doesn't make... No, I said, never mind. I'm quite a good cook. I can make nasi lemak. I make nasi lemak and go and sell, sell in Monkara $10 one packet. Sure can make money one. <coughs> so ask yourself, are you prepared to do anything it takes? Are you prepared to take one step back? Mm. Uh, and, you know, you need to be prepared to take one step back, maybe in terms of position, in terms mm. of maybe the a salary cut, to go to a better place which can give you untold opportunities. Hmm. And then you need to ask yourself, have you stayed at least two years in your current job? Hmm. Because if every year you're changing jobs, <laughs> you look like a rolling stone, employees go that way, track record, one year here, one year here, one and a half years there, I think you're going to switch. Yeah, you know. So I would want you here at least three years. So if you've served at least two years, hmm, enough lah, to, to sort of gain experience and show that you know you got staying power mm. staying power nine years in this organization thanks for being with us and sharing some insights around this before you move uh, do you have a road map I know Chinese New Year you're going to get a bonus and you think you're leaving think again think again uh, Sheila Singham from Human Equation Enterprise BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.